Your Excellency, um, uh, first of all, I think we all want to thank you for inviting us here because we know that with His Highness, you together have decided to make this happen and bringing us to your magnificent country, which is an example of innovation, of change, of transformation, of unity. So let's all thank, thank him you for that. Thank you. I brought people here for the first time maybe uh, 11 years ago, 2008, and I was bringing them here because I wanted them to see, I wanted to warn them what was coming, and I wanted them to see that resources are not the problem, it's a resourcefulness problem in most cases. This is a country that seemingly had such limited resources, and yet now one of the most prosperous countries in the world. 50 years ago, everything was like this. So would you share with us, what was Dubai like when you were a child? And can you share with us, what are some of the core principles that Baba Zayad and all the leaders maybe have applied to, to bring this unity and bring this transformation to your country. I was born in July 22nd, 1963. I was born in the souk of Dubai, which is the market of Dubai. Back then, Dubai was most probably a city of 40,000 people. I was born at home because there is no hospital. For us, Dubai represents a human journey. What human beings are capable of doing? People, they come to Dubai and they think whatever we have here has been there for a long time. It wasn't. I don't know how many of you have been in Abu Dhabi. I remember my first trip from Dubai to Abu Dhabi as a child. It was in a Land Rover, an open car actually. And we went in a seven days holiday. Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and from Abu Dhabi there is another city oasis called Al Ain, then back to Dubai. We didn't have road, it was in a sand dune, the whole trip. And for me, it was amazing as a child to stand in this Land Rover. It's like a truck, open truck. And I thought I was Superman actually throughout the trip. But the essence of the country that we didn't have road, we didn't have university when the country was formed in 1971. I'll tell you a story. When the country was formed in 1971, they were looking at university graduate to hire and a senior post in the government, because back then, if you can read and write, you can work for the government. And they were looking for leader in the government. They identified the number that finish university, only we have 45 people actually who finish university. Five of them were female out of the 45. In short span of time, today, if I look at the number, we're talking about female empowerment. 62% of the government workforce are female. One third of the cabinet are female, much more than the United States, by the way. It's the highest enrollment of female from high school to university in the world. And from next year, our Congress, it's to be 50-50 gender equality. So from really no road, today we have the tallest tower in the world. From no road, we decided to celebrate the 50th year of our nation, which is next year is gonna be, will be 50 years old. And the decision is how to celebrate this. We decided that we'll go to Mars. And people thought, we are crazy. This is like the Arab world, Middle East, nobody, you know, why Mars? It's, it's a statement actually. And we call the prop hope because as a government, we believe that we are in the business of creating hope for this region. So from no road, to the longest highway to Mars. This is the message. Going back in 1963 when I was born, it was a simple, almost village-type city. It was a nice place. It was a romantic place from 
when you look at the Orient the way it used to be actually. But I've seen transformation that took place in a short span of time. Tremendous transformation. And it showed me actually our ability. I remember I was in the third grade and I was sitting at my school, which is two-story building. I was in the top floor actually. And I remember I was sitting next to a window looking at the tallest building that's being built back then in Dubai. And every single day I look at this building and it was built and I said how amazing it is. How they can build this nine-story tall building. It was an amazing for me as a child because the tallest building was the two-story building that I'm at. I wonder what my kids are saying when they look at Burj Khalifa as the tallest building. Our story is the story of human capability, what a human can be. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, we are in the Middle East. And to be in the Middle East is tough. We have political issue in the region. There is religious issue in the region. There is ethnic issue in the region. It's a place where there is a lot of issue. And the issue is based in history, based in religion conflict, based in so many civilizations have passed by this region and it's creating all the conflict. So we are, whatever we are doing, we are doing it for the country, but also we have a calling as a nation, as a human soul also, we have to have a calling. Our calling is how do we create a model for this region? And the region always need a model from the region itself. People are sensitive in this part of the world. They like to see people like themselves doing it. And that what had happened here for the first time, right now we're helping other countries. So it's like being a puller for this region from, you know, there is a lot of misery here within this region. So the places that we want to be in the next 10 years is even farther more what we are doing right now. So it is a beautiful journey. Part of it was tough. Part of it was nice. But we enjoy every bit of it. And what do you think are the... Yes, it's an The journey is, inspires the world. Uh, it was mentioned earlier, there are other countries that seemingly have more oil, that seemingly have more ruins, have more things to bring people here. You have roughly a million inhabitants that are UAE, then you have all the expats that fill up the balance, and you have 16 million people coming to visit each year. It's quite extraordinary. What is it that's created this unity, and what are the principles that have guided leadership to make this human journey? Because we all have that potential. You're, you're saying that, and it's true. What's the difference here? What are the principles that have guided decisions making here that you think are different than other parts of the world that are not as prosperous that even have more resources seemingly life about design when i think of life i think all of us are designer here it doesn't matter you work in the government or you are entrepreneur or you are a business man or woman all of us are designer this is the way we look at it leadership make a country or break a country a lot of nation was built in leadership the ability of leader to move on. Look at Libya. They have a leader. Libya is much richer than us. They have more oil. They have 2,000 long beaches, beautiful white beaches in Libya. I've been in Libya. They have more Roman ruin than Rome, it seems. And I've seen them. They're very close to Europe, half an hour from Europe, and you are in Libya. But they had a leader who destroyed the value, destroyed the nation, destroy the economy, destroy 
the humanity in Libya. So the country was destroyed. And we are on the other side of the Middle East. When the country was formed in 1971, as I told you, there is no university. In Dubai, we have one high school. But you had a leader who believed in the ability of its people. Always I say, the job of the government or any leader in any organization, doesn't matter, a company or a country, it is to unleash human potential. There is no bad human being. There is no bad human being. Our job is to fulfill people's dream. When I do an interview, I ask the person I interview one question. I said, tell me about your dream. When you go to bed, you put your head in the pillow, you are dreaming of something. And my job actually is to go and fulfill, to hire them and go on to fulfill their dream. If you do that, you unleash the potential and the capability of every single human being. As a country, when you look at it, almost 90% of the country are not born here, 90%. And that's the only nation in the world, actually. Other country, when they, you know, the foreigner go to 10%, there is an issue. Either you want to build a wall, you don't want to give them visa, but the world is changing. 90% are foreigner. This is the only place where you have 200 nationality, you have all the religion of the world, every single color and ethnic background are here, and we never had a single racial, religious issue here because there is a common destination. You create for them opportunity. You fulfill people's dream. I'll, I'll give you a story of a person I, I met, actually. He's from Syria. He sold his company last year to Amazon. He have a company called Sukh.com for a couple of hundred million. This person, if he's in Alabo, maybe he's a refugee in Germany right now. He came here. It was equal opportunity. His dream got fulfilled, and he became something. And this is the Middle East with its own issue in the Middle East. Why? because we are in the business of unleashing human potential. This is government. This is how every city, mayor, or every government have to think. The fuel of tomorrow is not oil. I don't think so even as data. It's imagination and idea. Somebody in 1971 imagined the country the way it is. Then he worked on the blueprint. They drafted, they designed it. Then Everybody work hard to deliver the nation that we have. It's very difficult. It's not easy. We are, we are in the business of nation building at the end of the day. It's a nation building. It's not easy. There is a lot of political issue. There is social. We are not perfect, but we are seeking perfection. That's what we decided is. You know, nobody is perfect. But as long as you know, as a nation, as a human being also in this nation, you are trying to seek perfection, but you'll make mistake maybe in this way. That's fine. Yes. You have to be willing to make the mistakes, obviously. Yes. Sheikh Tanun is a dear friend of mine, and, and I've studied Baba Zayed for some time because of the amazing way he lived. And he shared with me the story that when his father was looking to bring hospitals here, there wasn't care that there were a group of Christians that were willing to build a hospital, and people were very upset with him that he would even consider this. He said, they're going to steal away people from Islam. They're going to make them Christian. And he said, they're not going to. They're all going to love God, and we're all going to live together. He had that vision, that clarity, that unity. How do you keep that unity in a country like this? Is it the progress that keeps people excited? Is it the vision of the quality of life that things can be? Uh, 
it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. But but always I say, as a government, you are also in the business of re-engineering society. Radicalism was high, and in certain countries still high. Religious fundamentalists, they want to hijack people because the easiest thing is to control people's mind. We are radical. We're radical against the other radical in our thinking and in our approach. What we've been doing, actually, it is through designing society, you liberate people thinking. You come with a law, actually, that doesn't allow racism or religious intolerance. It's a combination of a couple of things. Changing your education, set up the model for this region. Either you create model from the region, champion, or kids will look at Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi or somebody else. What we did, one of the things that we did a couple of years ago is we decided that let's create in every single city, let them choose one person that's making hope in the Arab world. And they compete. And the top, we bring them here to Dubai. And we showcase every year at least 10 champions that create hope in the region. What keeps us going as a human being is really hope. Sometimes we're not sure about the future. Sometimes we go through a very difficult time. Family, company, social issue. We decided that we are in the business. We have two business really as a government. And both of them are interesting. The first business is really we are in the business of creating hope. Because when you create hope, people go to the future. But we need to deliver whatever we promise. The other business that we are at, and people laughed when he announced it, that we decided as a government we are in the business of happiness. Happiness? You are a government for God's sake. Be serious. The ultimate thing for a human being, for family, for individual, is to be happy. The ultimate thing. The peak when it comes to our need as a human being is happen. We go to school to graduate to be happy. We try to get a job to be happy. We get married to be happy. Sometimes we get divorced to be happy. <laughs> then we get remarried again to be happy. We are, as a human being, we pursue happiness. That's the common thing among all of us here. So it was a philosophy which is a bit also radical in the government. We decided that the ultimate thing for us as a government is to make a happy society. It means when you make a happy society, you make happy citizen. When you make a happy citizen, a happy citizen wouldn't go and blow himself up. Somebody have to be really miserable to go to that extreme. And we have a minister of happiness, actually. She is a wonderful lady. We have a whole strategy about happiness in the government, but for the whole country. Some people understand it, others will. But we decided that as a government, that's the ultimate thing for any government in the world is if every minister or every head of department, he knows that's his job is before he come with the law, would it make a happy society or a miserable society? Except tax, by the way. But when you design, when you design a park, when you design a street, when you design a service, does it make a happy society or no? Your point is so well taken. I was asked years ago after a couple of shootings that are happening in the United States, people say, how could someone walk in and kill men, women, and children they don't even know? 
And I said, I don't know who does it, but I brought it up. I said, it's not a happy person. A happy person doesn't go online and try to destroy people verbally. A happy person doesn't try to blow anybody up. And so this design is so important. Well, part of that design is the long-term thinking that is here, both the size of thinking and long-term. You think in 50-year increments, companies think in quarters. You know, you look at, uh, at the size of what you've built here, the scale. How important is the size of thinking? How do you reinforce it? How important is the long-term focus to the success of this country? Would it come to thinking we believe that nothing is impossible and you know why when i went to my school first school doesn't have water and electricity today we live in place which is really a world class place so there is nothing impossible this is the thinking and i promise you there is nothing impossible you design the future you imagine the future and it's doable the other thing it's we have a long term plan as a nation Our plan goes till 2071, actually, which is almost over 50 years. Next year will be 50 years old as a nation. And we decided that what is the next 50 years? And what we did, actually, every 10 years, we put it in a bracket. We decided at least people, society, government, everybody have to know where they are going. So we decided that after 50 years, we'd like to be the best nation on earth. The best. This means the best in education, the best in healthcare. the best in infrastructure, we'd like to have the best park, we'd like to have the best people, we'd like to have the best value. It's redesigning country and society. So that's our long term. But we broke it in 10 years term, and every term have also, every year, we have a KPI where the whole government, they meet, we have 500 people, the top 500 people, they meet in one place to discuss every 10 years and every year than how much of it we are delivering. So I think it's good to have quick win. We are very fast, by the way, because today the size of the country doesn't matter. You can be a big country, but very slow. What you need to do, you have to go fast. Company goes fast. They go very fast. And the company that goes quite slow, you see them disappearing. So we believe that we are, if you look at companies, UAE governments like a company when it comes to government. And agility, speed, innovation, ability of going fast, trust of people. We are choosing one of the, the most, among the top three government in the world that people trust in government. We are choosing among number one in the world when it comes to efficiency in the government. And we have to remember, 71, 1971, we didn't have a government for God's sake. That's amazing. So it's the long-term vision. It's the connection to the people. I've been fascinated by the leaders I've met. The level of passion they have for the quality of life of their citizens is like nowhere else I've been in the world. Uh, you've got the compassion, you've got the vision, you've got the execution because you can't really effectively manage something you don't measure. So you're measuring constantly, so not just the 50-year mark. Uh, tell me a little bit about women. I was really touched. Uh, I heard that uh, Bob Zayed used to say, listen, half my population is female. My wife is female. My, my daughter is female. How could I not have them represented? I know in 1991, you passed laws here that made equal pay for women, which we still don't have in the United States. Um, how do you promote that from within in a culture, at least a region, where maybe those values were not what started here? By example, by law, by creating model. These are important things. When you look to any society, when it comes to productivities, when it comes to growth, when it comes to normal living, you cannot do it with only 50% of your population. 
you'll be 50% less than any other country. As simple as that. And throughout history, actually, when we look at this region, women were empowered, always. If you go back to history, to civilization. What happened in this region, I think so, in the 80s, you had a lot of religious fundamentalists moved in when it comes to education and school. The late Sheikh Zayed, actually, he had a plan. And he was one of the forthcoming people who spoke about religious fundamentalists in the 80s. In a short span of time, we've seen programs, we've seen incentive for girls to go to school, to go to university, and the result been tremendous. As I told you, 62% of the workforce in the federal government are female. If I look at people around me, by the way, the majority at my office are female. I wouldn't say it's gender equality. I think actually they are taking over. 70% of students at the National University are female. Female, 70%. What does it say? We are 62% female in the federal government. It's going to be 70%. It's a very interesting model. We are in Muslim world. We are in the Middle East, where there is a perception, actually, women are not empowered. But you have over 60% are female, equal pay. 50% of the national cabinet is going to be female. One-third of the cabinet is a female now. The aim is to go to 50%. So the essence of the story is really you are empowering society. But also you are being efficient as a nation, as a country. Imagine if you have a company and you said, you know, 50% of your company can work. You know, how do you compete as, as a company? It's how do you compete as a nation? It's not magic. This is ABC of life. This is how a nation have to function in this region. Country looked at us a couple of years ago and said, you guys are crazy. Really, if I remember the 90s, they look at our model and they laugh. They say, it doesn't work. You are going too fast. This is not part of the culture. Today, almost every country is trying to replicate this model and would love them to replicate. Because in the end of the day, I think, our role as, as a country, as United Arab Emirates. If the model is right, and if the model is spread in this region, we'll have peace, security, and prosperity, not only in the Middle East, but globally. So we are in the business of opening people's mind and showing them that impossible can happen. Women can work. Let's change the form in the government. You know, Our ministers are in their 20s. You don't have to be 70 years old to be a minister. You can be 20 years old. Our minister of youth, she's, when she was appointed, she was 22 years old. Because you cannot have minister. I mean, this is a voice of youth in the government. You need to have that. Why people in their 20s can run companies, multi-billion dollar companies? They cannot run a ministry. Age doesn't matter today. It's how much knowledge you have. And knowledge... It doesn't come with age anymore. It's how much you know, how wise you are, and what's your vision. So inclusiveness by design, inclusiveness by deciding up front that it's going to be that way, providing role models, providing laws and principles that guide it, putting the focus on the success and the impact of that to reinforce it. You also have a ministry of future and that's part of your responsibility. Tell us, what are two of the most challenging aspects of what you think are coming in the future and they need to be addressed today that you're focusing on as a country? My job, actually, as a Minister of Cabinet Affairs and the future, you want the nation to be ready for the future changes that will take place. This is future readiness. So in every ministry, we have chief futurist. 
and his job is to make sure that his ministry is ready for the future changes, medication, health, technology, whatsoever. I think for the government, there is a lot of challenges when, when it comes to the future. One of the challenges that government always think they know much more than anybody else. They have all the information about us. You know, in the United States, they have the social security, for example, you know. They know your, your name, your father's name, your grandfather's name, and maybe your family name, and your wife, your kids, when you were born. It's limited. Today, for government, things are changing. If you look at Facebook, the average information they know about each one of us is 400,000 page. Thus, you can have a, a home library of 1,300 book actually. So for government to think they have information and they know, I can say they don't know much, by the way. They pretend they know. But this is a challenge for all government globally because the private sector move much faster. Government globally cannot adapt to the change that taking place. Our job is to unleash all the data. So for global economy to move on. The other element, I think, is job. Usually government lag behind. When a government designer, the way I look at the government, won't come. You design nation. But when you design nation, you design education, all sector that you have. Job of the future will change. So a lot of job will be based on idea generation. In the future, people wouldn't migrate to other places. Idea will migrate. You can be in Dubai and your business can be in the United States. You can be in Cochin in India, but your partner can be in New York. So there is a lot of challenges that coming quite fast for government. Some government, they know about it. And I promise you 95% of other government, they have no idea what's going around globally. So these are the challenges that we'll face in the future. And we see the element of these challenges. If you look at social issue today, in a lot of country, you look at political issue, you look at economic issue, you look at Brexit, you look whatever is happening in France, what's happening in Venezuela. These are issues been there actually for a while. Government failed, but leader have failed actually to take people to the second stage. And as you look at the future and we look at the impact of privacy or lack thereof, and the changes that we see in the job market is you need more creative, cognitive capacity. The other things are taken over by AI, by robots and so forth. What are you doing to prepare your society for that time? And how do you feel about the lack of privacy that's occurred? Do you feel that's a good thing, a challenging thing? What's your view? Privacy is a decision that we, we make. If you have a phone in your hand, if you are Googling, if you are browsing, you know that you have to know that your information is there. You have somebody wrote a book. You wrote a book about yourself. That's 400,000 page, actually. That's the average information for all of us in Google or in Facebook. Actually. So it is a decision. I don't think so. There is privacy, per se, privacy as we think about it. It's keep your phone away. Decide not to have Twitter account or Instagram or then you'll keep your privacy. It's a decision today. But I think as a human being, I don't want to be philosophical or uh, to go back to history, part of human evolution was based in our communication. We weren't the strongest species. We weren't. Actually, we were the 
weakest species million of years ago. We start to get stronger, we start communicating with each other. So communication was the first essence of our strength. So we are two, then the three of us communicate and then we are a group. But again, communication in a different way. We created the wheel as human civilization to communicate with other villages. Then we created cars. We communicated to other city. We created airplane to communicate to other countries. So communication was the essence. Today, our communication have changed. As humanity, we're much stronger. And we've seen this strength actually when it comes to business, when it comes to Amazon, Uber, Google. You see the strength of this company compared to a traditional company. Government doesn't know how to tackle this issue. But what I'm saying here as civilization, we move so far. As knowledge and information, we move so far. The only thing is within the next 20 years, always I say, in the next 30 years, we'll have as human being an evolution era that's compared to the 3 billion year that we've been at. We are so fortunate to live, to be born in this time, in this zone. I am the luckiest among all of you, actually. And I'm seeing, I'm meeting, I'm going to places that nobody dreamt of, actually. Going with prop to Mars, meeting people like yourself. So for us as a nation, it's like a dream, actually. If somebody told us in early 70 that we'll have whatever we'll have, we'll say, no, impossible. But it's happening. This is a human journey. It's what humans are capable of doing. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what's your color. The most important thing, you have to have the heart and the feeling for other. And you don't want to go alone to the future. You want to take everybody with you. And you have to show them that the future is going to be happy and with a lot of hope. Thank you.